Hello, everyone. This is Brian Amarena with Good Dog Workshop, your podcast resource for successfully working with your dog. We'll help you sift through all the wrong and ridiculous information out there. We'll help you understand dogs and how to effectively work with a dog's nature, not against it. In short, we'll teach you how to speak dog. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Good to see you again, Marina. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for, you know, letting me guide this topic today. Uh, I just got back from training in Williamsburg again, and I one of my appointments I'd like to do a case study podcast on. Okay. Um, this client, I, I should tell you how we met because it was really interesting. Um, I was in Front Royal after an appointment and decided to take a hike in Shenandoah National Park, which is pretty normal for me. And um, we went to an overlook, me and the dogs. And um, from behind us, somebody comes walking and Sailor starts barking. And I say, do you mind if he just meets you? And she said, sure, sure. So Sailor runs up to our future client, Candy, Mm -hmm. and her husband, Butch. Ooh, Candy and Butch. Candy and Butch. Nice. And, you know, we're the only two groups of people at the top of this mountain yeah and so she starts chatting me up and asks me what i do and says my dogs are so well behaved and i told her that i'm a dog behaviorist and she started talking about her two-year-old miniature golden doodle bella and that bella has horrible separation anxiety and i told her when i got sasha she had horrible separation anxiety and asked her to explain as your car can attest yeah the subaru could tell us right sasha yeah. Uh, she says she's sorry. But uh, yeah, for, for those who don't know Sasha, or this is your first podcast. Sasha is Marina's awesome, but very strange German Shepherd. And when she first got her and took her on appointments, had her in the car by herself, various uh, degrees of, of testing the, the dogs and working with clients, Sasha would occasionally chew off the door parts on the inside of the car or put teeth marks on the steering wheel and through a little bit of trial and error we figured out you know what her triggers were with separation anxiety and we could you know go that could be a a podcast itself yeah and and just just to to let our our listeners know separation anxiety is almost always solvable correct because separation anxiety does not this this is a huge misconception separation anxiety is not your dog is uncomfortable being without you it is your dog thinks something is going to happen to you if you don't have it right it is the child parenting so it comes from a lack of leadership Mm -hmm. that is true subaru destroying separation anxiety and sasha had it in presumably every home before me oh that's right i told i forget about that each time we talk about this so it was a pattern of behavior with her already because she ate a couch in her previous she had a couch in her previous adopter's home but even before that she has broken teeth chipped teeth so whatever she was kept in she was trying to escape all the time mm-hmm. um even my vet was like this dog tried to get out of wherever she was and it's true because sasha can escape any crate i put her in so yeah, that she, she's very much houdini like that has made me a really good separation anxiety trainer because what i thought was what I was told is the previous owner returned her because he said, I work all day. I can't keep her in a crate all day. He didn't, I didn't realize he literally he can't literally keep can't her in a crate, in a crate all, all day. <laughs> she can't be crated. Right. She escapes. She, she I've watched fine. her do it. And and I'm pretty sure that she's just figured out to teleport. She doesn't actually know how to open the door to a gate. She knows how to teleport. There's something going on with this dog. Well, she tried to escape the Subaru. Um, but... But Sasha's goal is not because she doesn't like being created. She's fine being created. She doesn't want to be apart from a person, apart from you particularly, right. or apart from, from Sailor. So separation anxiety, I understand where, where, why people use that term, but right. people interpret, they think it's one thing, right. and it's actually something different. Yes. So anyway, back to Candy and Butch and Bella. From what Candy was telling me, this didn't sound like separation anxiety. And when I told her that, she didn't believe me. We're standing on top of this mountain on this overlook. And she's from Williamsburg? She's from Williamsburg. Okay, so just random. And she said, oh, well, you know, we're here visiting. Butch is from Front Royal. We're staying in an Airbnb. And, you know, I wanted to bring her. And what Bella does is Bella barks nonstop. That's what Bella does. And how old is she? She's two. Okay. And this is what we're calling separation anxiety. And so for me, I'm like, 
that's not separation anxiety. Um, because she's not destroying anything. She's not defecating. And so, so for me, there's a different cause for this behavior. And so I'm saying this to Candy and she's not buying it because she's had so many trainers, veterinary behaviorists, you know, training behaviorists tell her you have severe separation anxiety that can only get worse. So she's had a lot of people look at this and, and, and talk to her. And what would you estimate she has spent? Thousands on visits to veterinary behaviorists, which are few and far between on training, virtual training monthly on, you know, trainers coming to her home. She didn't tell me, but I'm sure she spent thousands. She tried. They told her to try every medication under the sun. Uh, and I know how much that stuff costs. Good Lord. And this is a two-year-old balanced dog. Otherwise. Mm-hmm. Balanced dog. Sasha had anxiety. Right. It manifested when she was separate from, you know, whatever she was felt she was mothering. Right. And it used to be me. And it's not anymore. Yeah. Um. Now it's kind of sailor, but even that's getting better. Like I can leave her and she doesn't like it, but she doesn't destroy things yeah. anymore. Um, but anyway, Candy said, well, I, you know, I wish you lived in Williamsburg. And I said, I go to Williamsburg every two weeks to visit my brother. And I train down there. Right. And she was like, this is so weird. I just met you on top of this mountain. And I gave her a card and she said, I'm going to call you. I said, please do. Uh, you know, I, I'd be happy to come down and work with you. And so she did end up calling me and we scheduled an appointment um, when I was down there visiting my brother. And I get there and these, these are some of the nicest people and they have a very nice little puppy. They got her in 2020 and um, Candy's father lives with them. He's 98. And so they were really cautious about COVID-19 and, um, you know, not bringing it home to to him they exercise this puppy five miles a day no question because because they're very active they're older people but they're very active and they've lived a very active lifestyle and they aren't ready to give that up they like hiking and traveling so they maintain their own exercise and that's part of why they have this dog well good for them Mm -hmm. um there are very few behavior issues with this dog i mean she jumps but it's soft um she's generally respectful and that's not really the case with separation anxiety. There, there would be other right. things. Exactly. Um, really, it's just Bella was always with them because of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, what I told her is for my puppy clients, around 12 or 14 weeks, I have them start training separation, mm-hmm. practicing separation. If we lived in a dog world, they would never be without their pack. That's not how they operate. Yeah. So it's a learned skill that we have to teach them. Mm-hmm. And before 2020, people had jobs and the puppy had to learn it just because they had to. So people would leave their dog in the crate and they would go to work and dogs just had to learn it. Right. But during 2020, that wasn't the case. So anyone who called me, I told them how to practice separation. Right. And it starts with, uh, I, and I, I told Candy, I get the phone call all the time. My 14-week-old dog has separation anxiety. And I go, no, they don't. And I get the same response I did from Candy, which is, I I haven't heard that before. I go, your dog doesn't have separation anxiety. Your dog is weaning from you like it weaned from its mom. And as long as you've exercised your dog, fed your dog, let your dog go to the bathroom, let them cry. Just like you would a baby. Yeah. Let them cry. They will cry. It's a horrible sound. The second they stop crying, let them back out or let them come back to right. you. So you are conditioning the calm mind for that reunion right. instead of the excited, panicked mind. I do think that from this behavior can come separation anxiety. Correct. Because you're not presenting leadership. You're saying, yes, dog, whenever you call, whenever you bark, I'll be there. And that is the opposite relationship you should have with your dog. You you are your dog's leader. You're dog does not tell you how to live your life right Right. that's the idea there so it starts with you can leave the room without your dog you can go to the bathroom and your dog isn't in there with you you know you can 
be in the same room as your dog and you can leave and go to the kitchen and get a glass of water and come back and your dog isn't like, where are we going? What are we doing? Right. Right. So exercise plays into that as well. Um, Cause your dog needs to be able to feel calm to be calm, but that that's how the training takes place. And then you leave the house and again, if they want to cry, let them. Right. Um, when you return, if they're in an excited state of mind, either correct them out of it or ignore them until they are calm and then reunite with them. Right. Um, don't allow them to jump on you or fi- uh, apply that physical pressure to you to reunite with you. Sasha used to do this too, sometimes still does. And that's asking for reassurance. Right. And you don't want to provide that reassurance and again, reinforce the anxious brain. Mm-hmm. So we're, we just reinforce the calm brain. I just think that Bella hasn't received that training. And I am confident I am right. But the reason we're doing this podcast isn't because there's anything crazy about Bella. It's because what Candy was doing on the advice of this other dog behaviorist who she never met in person was to me insane. Okay. Um, So I'm not going to say the trainer's name, but I'm going to describe the appointment and, you know, what Candy walked me through and 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 then also what I found online about the trainer. Right. So you've looked up this trainer and and done some research on her and we've watched a couple of her her videos that she has on on the website and how she... Um, how she does her, her virtual training, yes. how she presents herself, all that, all that stuff. Yes. Okay. I'll start with just my appointment with Candy. Okay. Like I can do this chronologically. Um, I was already, sometimes I jump the gun. So I'm like, oh, I already know what the problem is. And I was already giving the advice, but our clients want to say their piece. So I said, okay, go ahead and tell me what you have been doing then. Mm-hmm. And sh- she wanted to tell me what she's been doing and, I said, actually, let's walk through it. So her trainer had her doing these things called missions where at the same, I know, you don't have to tell me, I know, uh, at the same time every day, five days a week, they perform these missions to desensitize uh, Bella to separation. And I felt like I was in a science experiment or, or in a dollhouse being controlled. Ugh. It was very bizarre. Um, it it makes perfect sense in a lab. It's very bizarre to do in somebody's home with their animal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you could yield scientific results from this study, but you cannot change somebody's life with this technique, is my opinion. Okay. So I said, walk, walk me through one of your missions. And what we did was we went over and we sat at the kitchen table and this takes place every day at 10 o'clock and candy has to tell her father to hide in his room so it's like bella's alone um and then candy and butch sit down at the table and say nothing to bella and wait for bella to be calm bella can have like a ball or a treat or whatever and then they get up and they walk to the garage door and I think they go out and come back in okay like in a second okay and Bella is of course following them she said that Bella doesn't always follow them anymore okay and she's reporting that to me like that's success yeah but they're not saying anything to Bella or commanding her okay um then we go back to the kitchen table we do that five times and then like like puppet people right like aliens pretending yeah, to yeah, be yeah. people that's what it felt like and then on the last time um we go out into the garage and we open the garage like we're leaving in the car and uh-huh. then we shut the garage and candy and her husband who are in their 70s sit on a yeti cooler and play games on their phone and can't talk and have to be totally quiet sometimes they watch the camera to see what Bella's doing. Right. Um, they have to be totally quiet so that Bella doesn't think that they are there. And so I'm watching the camera and Bella is kind of like pacing at the door. She puts her paws up on the door and then she just sits there and waits. Mm-hmm. And she's not barking this time. I guess she used to. And you know what Candy was told is that when Bella's alone, she'll bark for three hours. 
like that's the longest she's ever left Bella alone and Bella barked for three hours and I guess that's why she thought I, I I guess that's why somebody told her she had separation anxiety okay um but Candy and Butch just sit on this cooler and are on their phones and she said uh that she's gotten to 20 minutes but then Bella was pacing something like that and so she had to knock it back to eight minutes and to me, minutes are nothing. Right. What's eight minutes? So, es- in my mind. Especially after how many months of doing this training? Several. Five. Good Lord. Um, and I asked her, are you still, you know, training with this, this behaviorist? This behaviorist lives in the United Kingdom, I think. She, she has never met this trainer. Um, she signed up for virtual classes with this trainer. And met her over Zoom. And she even said, I'm in my 70s. And she had me, you know, putting all these iPads everywhere and uh, attaching them to the Zoom call so that the trainer could see what was going on in the house. And she said, I'm in my 70s. Like, I did it but because I love my dog, but it was really hard. Yeah. Like, there's no one in my house helping me with this, setting it up. Um, And she told me how much she paid for it. I don't even know if I want to say. Um, no, I think I think you should. Seven hundred dollars because people a, a people need to know the outrageous prices that these alleged trainers are charging people to not really help them. And I think that you know she had to do these missions um, five days a week, but the trainer checked. I can't remember because I'm mixing up two clients in my head right now. I can't remember if the trainer checked in with her once a month. That's what or you told. Once a, you, once a you month. You told me once a month. Yeah. Okay, once a month. Um, and Candy just had to keep doing these missions, earning inches and inches from her dog where her dog's not barking. Minutes mm-hmm. is how we're measuring this. Mm-hmm. Minutes. Um, and so I'm quiet and just listening and going through this training session with her. Because, again, I, I felt that Candy wanted to show me what they were doing and say her piece. And so we, we come back in and Bella's fine. She's just like, Oh, Hey everybody. Right. And we walk back into the kitchen and we sit down and I, I said, okay, how comfortable are you never doing any of that again? <laughs> and she said, I would love to stop doing that. I would love to never do any of it again. And I was like, okay, I want to get rid of all of that. Because what this person has done is made your home a science project. Right. Like, I know how the scientific method works. I'm not a doctor. I don't have all these letters behind my name. I have a bachelor's in psychology. But I have a normal, educated person's understanding of science. And that's what we were doing. Right. That does not work in somebody's house. Because it's not, it, it's it's not an real experiment. life. It's an experiment. Right. It is to gain data. It is. It doesn't change behavior. Be- because it's not real life. Bella knows what time this happens every day. Yeah. That's not real life. Bella knows how long it's going to go on. And then what happens when Candy goes out at a different time of the day? Is all that progress gone? How... how I told her this isn't organic enough. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word for it. So what I normally do with my clients is tell them to do something normal, but you like something they would have done anyway during their day, like get the mail. Right. But be conscious of what they're doing and use it like a training session with their dog. Right. Um, because that is your real life and your dog needs to understand what's really going to happen, which yeah. is not you're going to leave between the between 10 and 11 every day to sit on a cooler in your garage like a prisoner without starting without starting the car engine which the dog they know the sound of without backing down the driveway which they can see and 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 dogs know the difference between the sound of one set of tires versus another set of tires so to me it was it was half of a science experiment it was let let's you know let's mimic but up to a certain point where we you know are 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 
you know, meaning, meaning the, the trainer, where I'm not going to tell my clients to do everything because that's, that's too much work. Right. But no, either, either all or nothing. And she, and she hit in the middle and it just doesn't make any sense. Pavlov did experiments with dogs to explain operant conditioning, mm-hmm. right? So the bell and the food, most people, you know, with a basic understanding of psychology or who, or who have taken Psych 101 know this experiment. Right. Pavlov's dogs. Nobody does that in their house. Nobody shocks their dog. Nobody rings a bell to feed their dog. Science is about explaining the natural world. And so operant conditioning is a concept that Pavlov understood from nature and that can be applied back into nature with conscious, right? That is what this training lacks. It, it you don't perform the science experiment to change behavior. You learn from the science experiment how behavior is changed. And then you try to apply that concept to real life. And that is the overeducated way to explain what you do, Brian. But you just understand it naturally. Right. And it doesn't have to be so lofty and complicated so that you know, you can say you have these many letters behind your name and you know more than people. And that's why your method is so much more approachable and doable for people. Uh, So what I had Candy do, I said, let's do a mission of my own. Let's pretend you're getting the mail. And tomorrow when you get the mail, don't pretend to get the mail. (laughs) Like get your mail. mail. Do what you have to do. Be conscious of how you're communicating with your dog. I said, so we're getting the mail. And we walk to the front door. And and we don't set it up. We're like, okay, we're at the table. We're eating, right? Yeah, everyone everyone pretend to do something. Everyone pretend to do, to be people. Because pretending is putting off the exact same energy and momentum that you would if you were actually doing something. Right. and that and that's the part that drives me crazy about this is it's i guess it technically is scientific but it's so fake because it's superficial it's not it's not real to what's going on it's right. not it's not real world and the dogs know the difference they do dogs know the difference between uh-uh no 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 i saw the way you walk through the house that is not the same as you normally walk through the house. Yeah. So I'm either going to ignore you or I'm going to get nervous about they, whatever. They yeah. they can tell the difference between what's real and what's not real. Yeah. So so I said, let's do something real. Wow. We're going to get the mail. And she said, what do you want me to do? I said, I'm going to communicate to Bella how I want you to. And so you will do what I'm doing with Bella but I'm just going to demonstrate it. Yeah. And I had already explained, you know, how I, I work with dogs when I came in, corrected Bella for jumping. But um, we we walked out of the house without making a big deal out of it, without making, without projecting guilt towards Bella right. about leaving her. That's That's what a lot of the problem is with separation anxiety is – we project to our dog, I don't want to leave you. I need you. Oh, you're my sweet baby. I feel bad. Yeah. And our dog thinks, if you leave, I'm not going to be able to provide you the comfort that you're asking, right? Or whatever job your dog thinks it does for you. Right, because you're you're le- you're leaving a bundle of emotion with your dog. Yeah, and for them to deal with. Yeah, for them to deal with on their own. Something they don't understand yeah. but can feel. Um, so I just turned to Bella, who had followed us to the front door, and I backed into her. Or, or I, sorry, I stepped into her to back her up. Right. And she doesn't know stay, but with body language, I commanded to her stay. So you are not invited. Right. And if anyone has a session with me, they can see how that is done. But right. essentially, dominant, dominant energy going towards your dog to tell them, give me space. Right. Or, or to, or to submit. And you, yes. And you were, you were essentially telling her to to give us space at the door and then submit. Yeah. Okay. And and this process sounded like what? What do you mean? No, no, to, to our listeners, it sounded like this. And this is this is what 
I, what I, what we work so hard to t- to tell our clients about is working with dogs is so much about energy and body language. Neither one of those, in in general, energy technically can be can be any kind of um, any kind of uh, uh, wave of you know sound or, or or light or whatever. But first and foremost, dogs don't start with sound in yeah. their in their communication, but we always do. Mm-hmm. is it's okay honey i j- j- back up no no sit d- be a good girl is oh what a good sit all of this just white noise that we put out with our with our voices is what people can't help but start with because that's how we people communicate but right. dogs are all about reading energy and body language and that's right. and that's feel more than anything else and so when you when you want a dog to back up and give me space and stay put there doesn't have to be any sounds involved. If you want right. to put a sound in there or or use a hand gesture, that's up to you. But the dog doesn't need that from right. us in order to be able to to read that. So I, I just I just want to reinforce that because to me that's a that's something we have to work with with nearly every client yep. is to get people to understand. Look, dogs don't communicate in this fashion. Yep. And they can learn how to associate an action with a sound, but why not just speak to them in their terms? And I have even more of a example of that later in the story with sure. Candy. But uh, probably how it really sounded was <laughs> sit. And then the door clicking. Okay, so do, so make the sound, uh, you know, dog to correct what, her following. Yeah, what you're what you're doing, I don't want you to do. Snap her snap her out of it, get her attention and then and then uh, a verbal command with your energy with your body language to to be clear about what you what you want to communicate. I so de- the the command, the only command she knew. That's why I didn't say stay. She didn't know it. Right, right. Oh, yeah, okay. So so you were using a command that she had already been trained on. Correct. Right, okay. All right. Um. So we shut the door and we walked away. And it turns out Candy had mail. So <laughs> it was productive. Um, you didn't go to a fake mailbox? No. Or? We didn't pretend to go to the mailbox. <laughs> Candy got her mail. And and was there a window that, that Bella could look out of and see you guys walking? Okay, so she knew what was going no on, and she was reading natural, normal body language, not some kind of fake acting of mm-hmm. "oh, we're going to pretend to do this and look strange to our dog who isn't mm-hmm. used to us see- used to seeing us act like this." The comedian John Mulaney tells a story about a dog trainer that came to his house to work with his Frenchie, and apparently the dog trainer told him, "You need to show dominance to your puppy," and he's telling this as a joke. Yeah, but he said that. Uh, the 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 trainer said the pack leader has to eat first and then the dog eats mm-hmm. and he was like okay but she eats at 4:30 <clears throat> like we eat later and so what this trainer had them doing is pulling down bowls and you know pulling out spoons and they were going mmm dinner right and he's he was like pretending to eat yeah pretending to eat <laughs> so that's what this whole thing reminded me of like aliens pretending to be people. Right, right, exactly. Um, so we go out and we get the mail and there's no barking. And uh, then I said, since Bella is doing so well, she's not barking. Uh, let's go over to my car so I can show you something. There is like um, a little tear in the door because uh, Sasha heard gunshots while she was in the car. Okay. That's the newest one, but it's still old. Um and Sasha's in there, and she's laying down on the bed. And I said, this is a dog who used to have real separation yeah. anxiety. And I told Candy the story about, and, you know, we could get it. This could be its own podcast. But essentially, I came back to you after an appointment because I had to climb in my passenger right. door. <laughs> and you helped me fix my beat-up door. Because the inside panel was pulled off of the off of the door. Right. And she made it, she made the door unopenable from the inside. So I went into yeah. the sunroof and I swung and kicked it back into place right. so that the door could open and close, but it still <laughs> looked atrocious. Right. Uh, that's separation anxiety. Right. She was so afraid for me being without her that she was trying to go through metal. Yeah. That's separation anxiety. Yeah. That's pretty bad. And, you know, I said, but here's Sasha. She's been in the car the whole time. And I'm going to command her something she knows because 
I, I used this to help with separation anxiety. I taught her the word stay. I taught her the command stay. Okay. Um, and, and to your point, I didn't have to use words, but for me, it's a reminder to do that exercise each time I leave her. Okay. Stay, right? Um, I taught her that. I still say it every time I leave the car and do it every time I leave the car. And she's calm in there. Right. And it doesn't matter if I pass by the car anymore. Which used to be one of the triggers. That, that was the trigger. Yeah. Is if she saw me walking away and she couldn't look where she last saw me. Yeah. Right. She couldn't see you anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, we pet Sasha, I commanded her stay and we walked away from the car and no issue from Sasha. I said, and I explained to Candy, I don't think you have separation anxiety. I think your dog has not learned separation, which is not the same thing. Yeah. It, it is something that they're supposed to learn when they're puppies. There's no reason she can't learn it now. Right. And, I said, she's quiet right now. You're having a conversation with me. This isn't something unnatural. Maybe she hears your voice. Maybe not. And maybe she can even see you. Maybe she can see you. Maybe not. Yeah. But I want you to start here. And then I want you to try getting in the car and going to the grocery store. And I said, and if she barks, she barks. Let her cry. Let her be mad. But when you come home, if she's in an excited state of mind, you we don't reward it. Right. So I said, that's what we're going to do next. Um, and we go into the house and Bella is in the same calm mindset that I left her in. So we greeted her. I said, but if she had been jumping, twirling around, crazy, continuing to bark. To a certain level, we can ignore that. Right. Um, Caesar said above a certain level of disrespect disrespect it can't be ignored anymore yeah you have to address it mm -hmm. so you know twirling around on the ground barking but not not getting in not your getting space. in your space yeah. not being demanding physically yeah you can ignore that and go and address your dog when they're calm if her paws touch you if her teeth touch you to reclaim you she needs an active correction sure to get out of your space no you don't get to come up to me in that excited disrespectful state of mind I will reward you when you're back to calm submissive right. to train that pattern of behavior because that's what she wants. She wants to reunite with her people, but we teach her how. Right. She did it correctly on the appointment. Um, so I, I told Candy and Butch, that's all you have to do. And I don't need you. I need you to do it every day, but I don't need you to do it like it's an experiment every day. Yeah. Do your normal life. Get the trash. Tell her she can't come. Go to the bathroom. Tell her she can't come. Right. Go to the kitchen and tell her she can't come. And, you know, then go to the grocery store for 30 minutes. Like, this dog doesn't have to rule your life. Go to the grocery store. Tell her she can't come. And when you return, tell her she can't be excited. And it will work. Right. And she, she was amazed. And I asked her. You know, if she's not destroying things, if she's not going to the bathroom in the house, why did you think she had separation anxiety? And she said everybody she talked to about the barking Ugh. behavior told her that it was separation anxiety and it could only get worse and it would escalate to the destroying things, et cetera, et cetera. And I look, I took a pause and I looked at her and I said, nope. And she was like, she started to cry. Because this woman's life has been ruled by this belief that her dog was going to become anxious and horrible. And she... Because a bunch of people were wrong and gave her bad advice. Yep. Wow, what a shame. Um, the other thing I was going to touch on to your point about silence. Um, when Candy sets up for her missions, in her mission, she's quiet. Mm -hmm. Again, that's how Bella knows... That, that it's not real. Yeah, that something is is fake. Yep. Um, in her mission, she's quiet, but preparing for her mission, she's narrating she's, to Bella. I, yeah, what I was just going to say, I know exactly what this looks like. Okay, Bella, I'm going to go and get my shoes. Okay, Bella, nope, don't jump on me, Bella. Good girl, good girl. All right, I'm going to go and get my jacket. Okay, and now we're ready for our mission. Silence. <laughs> I love Candy. She's great. But I pointed that out to her, and she was like, Okay, yeah, I can see myself doing that. And she looked at her husband, Butch, who had not said a thing <laughs> the whole appointment. He was also, he's also great. And he nodded. <laughs> right. And I said, um, I want you to try this for me. 
I want you to try just a week. Normally I tell people two weeks, but I think in a week you'll see a difference. Just a week, don't talk to your dog. And she was like, yeah, every, well, can she sit up? Her eyes widen. Everyone's, she, everyone's she jaw hits the floor. Yep. And she was like, well, can, I, can she sit with me on the couch? I said, I didn't say ignore your dog. <laughs> I said, don't talk to her. So don't communicate to her with voice. I said, so for example, and I flashed my eyes at Bella and I probably made a sound like, <laughs> she looked at me and I moved over on the couch and, you know, backed up my body to show her you can come towards me. Yeah, to invite her. And then I patted the couch and she came up. Yeah. And I, oh, good girl, bagel. And I started petting her. And then when I was done petting her, I gave a and I leaned into her. And yep, just like bagel. <laughs> Bella laid down on the couch beside me and I looked back at Candy. No English words. No, no words of any language. So what I, what this, this sounded like was, that's it awesome oh good girl and we have several dogs attention now with those sounds and it clicked in candy like a light bulb cool i said talk speak to her and dog for a week and tell me what kind of difference that makes I bet you she stops following you all over the house. Right. Because you're not feeding her instruction constantly that she doesn't understand. Well, energy but it, constantly. But it, yeah, it also, it also sounds like it's it's kind of anxious, unsecure energy, this constant narrowing, mm-hmm. this constant talking, just feeding over and over and talking, 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 talk, adding, 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 adding. And so it makes the dog nervous. And when you get a nervous dog, oftentimes you get a dog that's like, okay, when we're nervous, when we feel there's a potential threat, we stay close. Right. And so she may have created a dog that couldn't leave her alone Mm -hmm. because of all this, the constant energy that she's putting out there. And she loves her dog. So she doesn't, she before didn't really care if the dog left her alone or not. Right. And, And so therefore she again was creating this lack of separation skill with the the dog. Yeah. That mindset. Yes. Yep. Um, but I still didn't feel that Bella was anxious. No, I mean, you, you sent me a picture of the way you described her. I'm like, that's not an anxious dog. That's just a regular puppy. As, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, it looked like a very calm doodle puppy. Yes. Yeah. Normally she is. they aren't. Well, she gets five miles of exercise a day because they're awesome. But, but Candy was like, I do want to try that. That would be interesting. And she looked at her husband, Butch, and she said, you have to tell me what I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> And he nodded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. <laughs> and I was like, Butch is not going to have a problem with this. Right. But yes, talking to your dog is not the only way to get give them attention or show you love them. And in fact, it's it's not their way. Right. Right. Um, it's not it's not very natural for for them because the voice isn't a part of their natural communication. But also we all too easily emote when we're talking, when we're using our voice, you know, that's, that's why, um, you know, radio podcasts, whatever can still get people to feel things because we can emote through our voice. You know, yeah. when, when people hear me say, Oh, good Lord. Okay. I'm putting some energy out there. I'm putting some tone, some emotion yeah. with that. You know, when we say good girl, that sound, the, the energy behind it tells us it has meaning to it. So it's the energy behind the voice, but it doesn't mean you have to constantly use voice. You can just use a little bit of sound in order to get your point across to a dog. But that's the, that's the crux of all this is learning how to speak dog and focus on energy, body language first. Yeah. At the end of the appointment, I was just having a nice conversation with Candy and Butch and she was telling me how sort of this training ruled her life. And, you know, she, she was relieved and, um, I, I just shook my head because she's alluding to me how much money was spent trying to fix this non-problem. And I shook my head and I said, I'm just so sorry that I didn't meet you first. And she said, but you know, it really felt like a stroke of fate. That's why I called you. I met you in the most secluded area I could have been in on the top of a mountain right. and you happen to be a dog trainer and you happen to be a dog trainer that comes to Williamsburg twice a week and I'm just grateful that oh that's nice you know I did meet you and it was nice I just wish it hadn't been such a hard road for her so 
that combined with uh, on Facebook, which is silly and, you know, the keyboard warriors or whatever, try not to think about it too much, but uh, someone was asking for a dog trainer in the area and we didn't fit the description for what they were asking oh, for. Oh, right, right, right. I remember you telling me about this. But we have some local fans and, you know, our name popped up, Good Dog Workshop, a couple of times and one woman commented, with a screenshot of something on your website, something about we don't use clickers and spray bottles. Oh, I didn't know there was a screenshot there. Yes. Oh, it, okay. So the, so the what we do and don't do page. Yes. Okay. We don't use clickers and spray bottles and, you know, grab for all these tools. You know, dogs don't need that with each other. So why do we humans right. do that? That's what you had written. And she said, this doesn't sound science-based. <laughs> and that was way before this appointment. But I just remembered that comment and i'm like well you know what this sounds science-based and it was it, it didn't help right so i looked up um candy's previous trainer and this is one of her pre this is her training behaviorist but they had tried medicine on this poor dog that mm -hmm. didn't need medicine yeah sedatives on this dog that didn't need sedatives yep. uh, you know veterinary behaviorists had just written a script and so it's important to understand the difference between psychiatrist and psychologist in human medicine. Mm -hmm. A psychiatrist has a medical degree and they can write you a prescription. Right. A psychologist provides you with therapy. So mm -hmm. I often think of that as the difference between a veterinary behaviorist and a training behaviorist. But this training behaviorist who never met this dog or these people and were never in their environment like I was to identify the triggers in the environment that were causing this behavior. She just hears separation anxiety and she has uh, a video course for that, mm -hmm. right? And so I look her up. She has seven certificates. Oh, good. And a master's degree in some kind of animal dog behavior, all the certificates, <laughs> and a master's degree in education. Because dogs respond to certificates and letters behind a person's name and education. And Candy had asked me, she said, now, you know, you're just sort of one of these people that understands animals. You don't have a certificate, right? And I said, I can get one and never meet a dog. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the sad part. In fact, a lot of these certificates are developed by people. It's not an, it's not a standard by government or that's regulated by government right. or anything like that. They're developed by other overeducated people. Mm-hmm. Who make money on people who want to learn about dog training. Right. They are. It's because I looked into them. And you can take an online course and never touch a dog and never meet a dog and, and have seven certificates and, from people who want your money. And also be bad at working with dogs. You and, cannot understand animals at all yeah, and, and pass these. You can just be good at school uh, and pass it, these. It's such a shame. This drives me crazy about, uh, about you know our business, the dog training world is... It's just what you said. You can you can get all sorts of degrees and look good on paper, but in person, or if someone puts a dog in front of you, or someone tells you the issue they're having with their dog with you on the phone, you could completely suck at it yeah. because you never learned about dogs from dogs and how how dogs dog. yeah how dogs are in real life and yeah. what it's like to have a dog um, you know stay calm when you go out to the mailbox or go to a dog park instead of learning from people who wear lab coats and have pocket protectors and you know i'm i'm all for scientists we would have we would not have many things in life without scientists right. but there has to be something behind all this theory yeah and there just isn't with so many people not not in this industry wow so and, and then a master's degree in education that's people yes. right uh, and, and a lot of these certificates are about teaching people about dog training not about dog training i okay I'm going to say this once more, though. You can you can get a degree in education or psychology or whatever the training is for being a veterinary technician and still not be good at it. Sure. And that's so unfair. Yeah. Because the dogs are the best judges of how we're doing. Mm -hmm. If a dog responds to you, awesome. You did a good job, at least in that moment. If a dog doesn't respond to you, Hmm, something must be missing. Maybe you need to go to a different school. Maybe you need to pay attention to dogs. Go to a dog park, you know, three hours a day every day and interact with the dogs and learn about the about the dogs. But too many people think, no, humans tell me 
how to how to understand dogs and how to work with dogs better. And that that's just that's not the best way to learn. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. Well, just kind of a brief. I'll keep this. Yeah, brief. yeah, please. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, which means nothing, uh, except that I know stuff like the things that I uh, was telling you about operant conditioning and, you know, the scientific method and stuff that you can learn from a book. Um, and I have a minor in conservation studies through the Smithsonian program at George Mason. Right. That I would be better at than psychology because I spent a semester um, and we would learn about these scientific theories and studies in class. And then that would be 30 minutes. And then we'd spend the rest of the day right. outside mm -hmm. in the field, working with animals in nature, in environments, putting on waders and walking through streams and, you know, seeing all of the things in our books and analyzing them in real life. Um, and then we'd go and have to write papers and things on that, or we'd have to conduct you know, experiments and things, but we had to apply the science from the classroom to the natural world. Right. And, and in the that, same day. In in the same day, repeatedly, but also like you said, thirty minutes in the classroom and then the, the rest, rest of, of the, the day, day in outside. The, in the field. Right. So read a little bit, listen listen a little bit, and then go and spend time with dogs or go and work on this. So instead of Tr trying something five times in one, five missions in one session or five times in one mission or whatever. How about make your whole day about getting your dog to be calm? And how do you do that? By being calm yourself. But yeah. you have to, you have to practice it more than, more than learn the theory about it. You have to spend more time doing it than thinking about it or talking about it or reading about it. And I think maybe that's where part of the disconnect is, is people think that absorbing knowledge is the same thing as having it well having yeah, i was going to say the having knowledge but actually practicing knowledge sure. and they're very very different yeah yeah i think it, i think anybody with a uh master's or doctorate in psychology could tell you that right um but but anyway we're more about this uh specific trainer her website has certificates of and this applies to our point her website has the certificates it has a book that she's written it has you know written evidence that she's worked with all these different kinds of animals what it doesn't have is a single video or picture of a dog that does not belong to her <laughs> that's right i'm like even these even the positive reinforcement traders have videos yeah. you know and, and you know she says these are science-based techniques etc cetera, etc cetera. Her videos are her sitting on a couch with a dog that's asleep. Right. Because <laughs> her dog is deaf. Oh. Uh, oh. Sitting on a couch with a dog that's asleep telling you what you should be doing with your dog at home. Who is not. But not showing dog. you. Yeah. Not showing you. E not even showing you like other trainers videos on a dog that they've been working on for weeks. Right. She, sit, she has a master's in education. She sits in front of a camera and she lectures you right. about dogs. And I'm not here to ruin somebody else's business, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I haven't said her name or her business. But the, I do want to advocate for our customers and our customers' dogs who have spent thousands of dollars on their dog and yielded no results except mm -hmm. all this stress that she goes through every day because she believes if she doesn't do this perfectly, her dog is going to live a terrible life. Right. Or or, or a dog who is not better at all after yeah. weeks and months and maybe even years of training. Or and, a dog. And been fed medicine and yeah, things that make it feel weird. Yeah, that really bothers me. I know. Me too. And then a couple hundred bucks with me. And it's all different. Because you just had the one session with her. I've had one session with her. Right. I still, you know, it hasn't been that long since that session, but I'm confident this will work for her. So we'll we'll follow up with that. Yes. As well. And speaking of follow-ups, I think we uh, we should do a podcast maybe right after this, um, a pup date on Bagel the Beagle. Bagel the Beagle. Because I've had her for a month like or so. The, I like the term pup date. Yeah, it's a pup date. 
Um, so we will, we will discuss that, uh, that next time. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. There's, you know, there's so much in and around this topic, as you could tell, we were getting off on all sorts of sorts of tangents here. But if you if you want to know more about this, please, please, please give us a call. Uh, call me directly at 703-489-1319 because um, we would love to get your feedback on this. We would love to hear about your stories yeah. of what you've experienced, you know, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. But we want to know. Okay, is there another trainer out there who does something completely different, but it's very effective? Heck, right. I, if I can do something better, I want to know about that. At the same time, if there are trainers out there that are doing garbage and nonsense or charging a lot of money or whatever, I want to know that because I want to be able to, to, to let people, to make people aware, don't go down that route. You know, don't don't fall for for the for this trap or definitely don't use that. You know, we're dealing with this this other trainer up in uh, up in Loudon or, or whatever it is we're we're getting more information about uh, about this trainer who's who's not doing right by right by his clients as, as well so right. you know we we want to know that because we want to be a resource of of effectiveness for for people you know and 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 things that that help dogs and advocate dogs because we want we want to have people happy with their happy dogs exactly that's our only goal and you know even if it's not only us and our clients and we're making a difference that way like you said if there are other trainers that are making a difference in other parts of the world or the country yeah absolutely and, and we want to know that because the, that should be the industry standard yes it, it really it really should be and you know for for us the proof is in the pudding we are not making a dime there's no advertising in this in this podcast there's no advertising on our website we're doing this because we enjoy it we've got a, a i can't even call it a system here because it's nature it's yeah. what the dogs have taught us. This is how you work with us. Do it this way and it'll be fine. But but it's it, it's effective. We enjoy doing it. We want to help more people. And, you know, we're, we're putting in quite a bit of time in here um, to to do that, to, to further people's education. So please let us know if um, if you have experience, um, you know, good, better, better and different. Um, give us a give us a call. You can text me directly at that same number as well. 703-489-1319. And, uh, you know, let us let us know what you think about about this podcast and, and other topics that you'd like to to hear about from us as well. But in the meantime, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review and tell your friends to listen and subscribe too. we are now available on Spotify and iHeartRadio, but you can still get us on the old sources as well. Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This has been Brian and Marina with Good Dog Workshop. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone. Bye.